ShoeCast. Hello and welcome to the ShoeCast, where we talk quality footwear, how it's made, and all the things that we love about it. I'm Ben from Stitchdown, and T. Joe is here along with an exceptionally special guest this week. He's a man who wears great boots and really puts them to work. He's exceptionally well-dressed. He's probably the biggest YouTube star in existence. We are beyond pleased to welcome Carl Murawski. Yeah, yeah, you got it, man. That's some hyperbole. (laughs) I'm happy to be here, man. We really appreciate it. Carl, the first question we ask everyone, including ourselves on this podcast, is the most important question of all. What, my friend, are you wearing on your feet today? Uh, I have a pair of Jim Green Razorbacks. Uh, Jim Green's a, a brand from South Africa. Yeah, I had a, a, a commenter say to me once that he was from South Africa, and I should check out this brand, Jim Green, um, that was kind of like the Red Wing of South Africa. So I reached out to them, and through a courier and all kinds of shipping issues, we got a pair, and they're excellent. I mean, now you could buy them through, uh, I was going to say through Amazon, but they actually have a USA store, and for like 125 bucks, they're the best inexpensive work boots I've ever worn. They're they're incredible and extremely comfortable. Jim Green. Love it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm aware of them, but that's kind of about it. I feel like they have some really cool hikers with like a big... Uh like printed stamp on the side oh if i'm correct that's i think it's called the monster or something like that yeah they have a really unique approach where it's they are very hiker like you know they have a padded a padded top that's somewhat articulated still double stitch down construction even they would they would tell you that look the place we save a little bit of money is with the insole we we recommend that you just take the insole out and swap it with something that you like but um their most recent versions they've upgraded to a leather insole so you know, now, I mean, it's it's really a no-brainer. Jim Green, on the radar. Yeah, I wonder if Jim Green is, like, Edward Green's cousin who, like, moved <laughs> to South Africa to, like, start a diamond mine. And, it, it you know, it went belly up and he started this boot company kind of uh, out the back of his van That's or something. That's a romantic story. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it must be true. <laughs> I'm just going to go on the assumption that it is. You heard it, you heard it here first. <laughs> Ticho, what um, Edward Green Brothers shoes are you wearing today? Well, I'm wearing a pair of boots from uh, from Edward Green's distant cousin, Peng. Peng Green. My Flame Panda Natural Chrome XL Rough Out Boondockers. These things, I just love these things, man. And I I, I can't help but send Peng a message on Instagram uh, and just say, like, hey, whenever I'm wearing them, I'm like, Peng. I'm wearing the boots today. I'm feeling great. I love them. They're just so good, man. Like, I just feel good wearing these things. So, uh, you know, we're recording this on a Monday. I had, you know, a little case of the Mondays. Pop those things on. Good to go. So, I'm feeling good. I'm ready to do this podcast. I'm ready to talk to Carl. I'm excited. Nice. Did you get the kangaroo lining in those? Uh, they are unlined, actually. Oh, no kidding. I, I got to tell you, man. I, you know how many times I've messaged with him? And I'm like, hey, I really want to get a pair of boots. And then I'll come back in a couple months and be like, hey, I'm ready to make those pair of boots. And then it's just like we, we haven't been able to connect. But, man, I really do want to check those out. They look phenomenal. Yeah, they're they're super nice, man. You're definitely, you know, if you can get your hands on a pair, you're going to be really, really impressed. Uh, so we wanted to give a special thanks to the sponsor of this episode, Spokane's own Nick's Boots, who makes some damn sharp casual boots with the sole and guts of some of the toughest work boots in the world. Thank you, Nick's Boots. Thank you. So, Carl, look, you do a lot of things. One of the things that you do is 
help guys figure out how to dress better, which boots are worth the money, and really in so many ways just like live their lives better. Mm. And not just all through stuff that they can buy. And as stated earlier, you are the biggest YouTube star, I'm pretty sure, in the entire world. Congratulations. <laughs> I wish that were true. So it's true. pretty cool to have you talking to us. You must be very busy with other finer podcasts. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But your your entire life story, work history, which involves a ton of, you know, quote unquote, real work, and everything else that led you to this point, I think is really fascinating. So we want to hear about you. We'd love if you ran it down from the top, your history, and throughout it, we're going to ask you what kind of boots or shoes you were wearing at every point. You know, going from, from work history, I mean, you know, when I was like 15, I got a job bagging at Stop and Shop, and then I, I absolutely hated working up at the front with the customers, so I asked to be moved to the back, where I could do some other stuff. So I went into the back, and I worked in the dairy department for a while. But, you know, my work history started when I... Wait, 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 what shoes were you wearing? I'm serious about this. <laughs> you know what I remember specifically? Honestly, you know what I remember specifically about that time is that the guy I was working with in the dairy department said to me, man, you got to get some Doc Martens. They have air in the sole and they're the most comfortable boots I've ever worn. Airwear. Oh, yeah, he had this old black pair of Doc Martens on, and I, I bought some. I got the steel toe version, so every time I'd kneel down to like load the dairy cooler, it'd be like, clunk. I mean, you don't need steel toes to like load milk, but I had them anyway, so... um. Yeah, I was wearing Doc Martens at the time, which I thought were the cat's meow. But unfortunately, you know, I got into my school of choice after high school. And, um, you know, I came from a single family or single parent household. So which we really didn't. I was like the first person to go to college. And it was like, you know, we looked at the numbers and it just wasn't going to happen. Even with financial aid and everything like that, it just wasn't going to happen. So frustrated and angry, I went to a a community college near me and uh, worked part-time as a uh, auto detailer down at a mechanic shop. And so I worked there for seven years, uh, learned how to work on cars, learned how to, you know, tow cars, got my CDL. You know, I worked there and I, for a while, I kind of thought that that's, that was going to be sort of the, the, the trajectory, you know, that I was going to, you know, professionally be a, an auto mechanic. And so when I was there, very rarely you'd see anybody wearing anything decent. So um, I would always go to Walmart and pick up a pair of Herman Survivors because they would get destroyed and, and soaked in gas and oil and grease and battery acid. So they, I could only get like six months max out of them before they were just too nasty to wear. So I, I knew that was going to be like a revolving door. And we had a nap shoe guy who would come around and try to sell you boots. And some guys would wear them. I remember guys in the paint shop would wear them. Uh, they weren't getting as involved in, you know, everything that I was doing, like with welding slag falling on them and burning through the, the, the laces. And so I always bought like cheap stuff just knowing that I was going to throw it away. I never picked up any of those nap shoes, but I remember the guy who, who sold them. He must have been doing it since the 50s because he was just an old timer who would come around in his little Cadillac and try to sell you these boots. It was pretty cool. Huh. So he was like the Avon lady for shoes? Yeah, I, I guess that's the way they worked or work. You know, like he would come around, he would take your order, he would show you a sample, and then he would deliver them like the next week or something. It's hard for me to remember because it was so long ago, but I mean, they look like some decent boots. And I don't know if NAP is still around or not. Or was it NAP? K N A P P. Ah. So I'm not sure if they're still around or not. And I remember, you know, people saying that that guy had been coming to that garage, which had been open since the 40s, uh, since they can remember. So, <laughs> you know. I don't know. I guess that was his uh, 
his gig. They're still making them. Eighty four ninety nine. No kidding. Yeah, there you go. Steel toe. Yeah. So at some point, I, I looked around, and I think I was like 24 years old. And at this time, I was like, I'm not sure I want to do this for the rest of my life. You know, I'm looking at guys, and I've I've kind of already peaked in my career. You know, at this point, I was doing everything that the shop did, uh, learned a ton, but I didn't think that I was ready to quite peak out yet. And, you know, the earning potential there definitely had a ceiling. So, and I was really, really mad at my job one day, just, just got pissed off and got in my truck, and I drove to a local... Um, like a tech school and on the way there i decided i was like all right what am i gonna do a plumber no i don't really want to be working with toilets you know uh hvac i don't want to be banging on you know duct work and go deaf by the time i'm 30 uh you know what electricians seem like they have it pretty easy i'll just do electrical so i got there and the lady thought i was just you know like there to you know check things out look around i was like no no i want to sign up now and i want to sign up for electrical and she's like, oh, okay. And she was more than happy to take my money and sign me up for a student loan, which I would pay years and years later. But that was it. You know, and I went back and I told him, I said, look, I'm I'm out of here. As soon as I can, I'm starting my apprenticeship. Thank you for all you've done for me, but I'm going to be seeking other, you know, employment. So it wasn't long after that that I was, uh, I was walking over to where we kept our, our heavy-duty record to go on a call. And there, there were, the guy from Connecticut Water had just quit and he w- was really mad. He, he walked out, he threw his stuff in the dumpster and got in his car and left. So me being the poor <laughs> 25 year old, I was, I go and I'm like, Hey, what do you throw in the dumpster? And right on top was this brand new pair of Carhartt boots. And I'm like, Hey, he's like a nine and a half. I can make that work. So I took those out because they looked nice and <laughs> I wore those for like two years <laughs> they, um, they weren't even my size you know <laughs> I was like oh free boots I think I did like my first year apprenticeship in those boots you can't be free man even uh even coming out of a dumpster you gotta remember too I mean this is back when you know the internet was still in its infancy what I knew about boots was the guy at the dairy department who told me that Doc Martens were the best thing out there and that was kind of it like so when I started my apprenticeship and I'm looking around and I remember there was one guy who used to love clunking around in his Chippewa loggers and another guy who had this pair of red wings that they had to be 15 years old you know explaining to me that they could get rebuilt and and remade and he got he had them resold one time when i was i was there and i was just shocked at how they came back i'm like those look great you know like you can get a whole couple years out of those before you have to do it again and that was sort of eye-opening you know and um i i bought a pair of timberland pro series when i was there which i actually thought were pretty good boots i i really i liked those they were they were good the only thing i didn't like is that in the cold when we were working you know because new england you know it gets really cold up here and it, it also gets really hot in the summer in the cold, the the sole for the whatever compound they were using for their rubber, it was really really hard. So if you walked on concrete or in on wood or anything like that, it felt like you had like hobnails or something. It was just like clunk clunk clunk, and you could hear it everywhere, and it just didn't insulate at all. That was kind of what I wore for for a big portion of my my licensed career. You know, I had those for years and years. So when I decided to try to to look for the next tier, that's when I found Nix. And I was I was looking around and looking around and I think at that point I was wearing a a really odd a pair of Woolrich Yankee boots, which are like these little like 6-inch, decent looking, kind of more of a dressy boot than anything else, you know. And they they were only around for a little while. I think it was a Huckberry exclusive or something. And I I was wearing those, but they they really weren't very comfortable, so I was like I got to find something better. 
And my my job at the time, we were working on the railroad. What the railroad has on the side is this stuff they call ballast stone. And this is basically like two-inch, very sharp stone, which is meant for drainage so that when the water falls, it doesn't pool up in the, um, you know, they, they call it the gauge, which is basically between the rails. And also supports the rails and everything like that. So it eats boots alive because you're walking through it, kneeling down on it, and it just kills them. So people out there, you should see what they're wearing and the way that they repair them. It's pretty funny. So I was doing my research. I found the pretty famous video from Wrangler Star where he's talking about Nicks and Whites. And, you know, he's he's over in Washington State and he worked for the Forest uh, Service, I think. And I was like, you know, 500 bucks is a lot. Maybe I could do it. I called my wife and I told her my idea. And I'm like, you know, they, the thing is you could get these things resold and rebuilt. And, you know, over time, you know, the whole thing you tell people, you know, over time, it's actually cheaper. So I, I put the order in for the, the, the custom fit. You know, they sent the, the fit boot, called up and, and, you know, got them back and everything. And they put me in a seven triple F. I'm like, this is the weirdest, smallest. Damn, yeah, I'm Carl. like, what in the world? <laughs> For my entire life, it had been like a nine and a half, you know? And I'm like, a seven triple F, what is that? Wider than they are long. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They fit incredibly, though. And Wait, so that's your size? In Knicks, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. It's just weird. I mean, now in like a like an Iron Ranger or something, I'm like a nine. You know, like my Lofgrens, I think I ordered like an eight and a half you know, in that size range. And it just happens to be that for some reason, I don't care what they call it. You know what I mean? They, they fit great. So they could call it a four triple G. I don't really care. You know? So I, it was like, I was like 500 bucks is a lot of money to pay, but I think it'll pay off in the end. And wait, which boots are they? The Knicks, uh, builder pro with a composite toe working with electrical. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't have steel toe. So we, we have to have a uh, composite toe. Are these the rough out ones? Yep. Yep, the rough outs, yep. Oh, yeah. Yep, 10-inch. Um, I kind of wish I went with maybe an 8 because lacing those things up to 10 is kind of a pain in the neck, but it is what it is. Not the, not the end of the world. 10's pretty fun. Honey Soul, do I have the right yep, boots here? Yep, yep, Honey Vibrams, yep. Oh, yeah. Yep, I got the... Um, they had a uh, like a comfort insole that you could put in there, and I, I was just figured, hey, look, if I'm going to be spending nights out on the railroad, and I was working like four blocks away from the Bronx, or uh, the Bronx Zoo, you know, if I'm going to be going down there and hiking in and everything like that and working on the on the railroad, then uh, I got to get something that's going to be decent. And I'm really, really glad that I did because until you get into something like that, and of course there's, you know, Whites and Wesco and Hoffman and other, you know, boot brands, which are great. Um, but if, until you get into something of that caliber, it's really difficult to explain to somebody the benefit. And are you still rocking them? Yeah, yeah. I still wear those. How old are they? Uh, They're probably... Three or four years old at this point. Love it. All right. So three quick points here. Number one, this is completely organic and in no way sponsored by Nick's Boots, who happens to be sponsoring the episode. So that's great. Good work, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I'm, I'm serious, listeners. Number two, I Googled these Woolrich Yankee boots. They're not bad. They got like a little indie mock stitch, but it's just like all on the same piece of vamp leather. They they look honestly pretty handsome. Yeah. And number three, I'm going to the Bronx Zoo on Thursday. Nice. Right on. Just so everybody knows. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The Yankee, uh, it almost reminded <laughs> me of like, you know, a different version of the Alden Indy in, in its 
look and you know the stitching on the toe and everything the, the thing that i found though is is they're they run narrow so if you have a wider foot you know like me mr triple f yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> triple f yeah then um uh you find yourself standing on the welt so that uh that's not nah, that's no good now here, here's a question i have carl how often on your way home from work do you find yourself whistling i've been working on the railroad <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that we often we it's it's mandatory to to whistle that on the way in uh as we walk in single file. Yeah. Oh, good. It's funny though how people, you know, when you say that, unless you work or unless you live in New York or lower Connecticut, a lot of times people think I'm joking cuz you know, rail travel in the center of Connecticut is is pretty foreign. You know, we do have the Amtrak that goes through, but that's about it. And so most people think that it's you know, they think I'm pulling their leg. But no, rail is very alive and well, and um, it's it's really a pretty fascinating place to to do electrical work. Yeah, that's super cool, man. I I live in New Jersey. There's ton, you know tons of uh, we have tons of rail here. Uh, I live maybe 200 yards from a freight train line, which is uh, super cool. <laughs> uh, definitely not really loud. It's like Brad Pitt's apartment in seven. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, this this place is great. We'll be great here. This is everything's going to turn out fine in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what's what's funny is my neighbors who live even closer to it. They told me that they didn't know that it was there when they bought the house, and they just like got into the house, put all their stuff there, and then like we're we're there for a couple of hours, and then a freight train goes by, and you know there's you know there's crossing, so it blow you know blows the horn, it does the whole thing. And they were like, oh, shit, like, what is this? It's, like, right behind our house. And I'm like, how did you not look? It's You, you can, like, see it from, from our neighborhood. <laughs> oh, <laughs> totally yeah. yeah. Those things, they, they, sh- they rumble the ground, no doubt about it, especially if they're loaded up with stone or, or whatever it is. We get a lot of, get a lot of uh, like, orange juice going by. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the OJ mm. train goes by. Well, the kids must love every part of that. Oh, they definitely, absolutely, they do. You may want to hijack that one. Uh, so yeah, Carl, you t- you touched on in one of your recent videos, you know, the idea that only people who are you know out there on on the railroads or, or out there logging and you know working as mechanics, doing quote unquote real work, right? You know, there there's kind of this idea that those are the people that work boots are are made for, and those of us who you know choose to wear them but maybe don't work in that field maybe we're you know wearing them to buy some couscous at whole foods <laughs> or i could not find the couscous at wegman's like last week it was terrible dude stop maligning wegman's on this podcast man all right this is going to be the issue that tears, oh, tears wait, wait, this wait, entire wait, wait, podcast wait. apart i haven't i haven't actually talked about it on the podcast but wegman's is the fucking shit i take everything back except for the couscous placement and the ability of some of their employees, actually three of their employees, to direct me to the couscous. <laughs> but other than that, completely turned around on Wegmans. You can you can begin listening again. <laughs> so all of your objections are really couscous-based. Currently. <laughs> Those are fair, man. Some, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's hard to find stuff at the store. And the one in Brooklyn is bogus. It's not a real Wegmans, and that was what I was basing my previous opinions on, and like I'm, I'm a whole man now, all right? <laughs> I think we can assume that any 
you know, version of a store that is in Brooklyn is not a real version of that store. Is that fair to say? It, it seems big enough to be the real store, but it, it was not. It was an imposter. Anyway, back to back to my question, which got a little derailed here. That was important. It was important. It was important. So, you know, some of us are wearing our, our, our quote unquote work boots. We're going to the mall. We're doing just doing our normal suburban, you know, suburban guy kind of stuff. Now, some people would say, yeah, that's not what those are for. You shouldn't shouldn't be wearing those. You know, there is a little bit of gatekeeping going on. There's a little bit of, you know, the white collar, blue collar kind of divide there a little bit. Uh, so what do you think, Carl? Should, uh, you know, should I be going to the ice cream parlor in my in my work boots? <laughs> well, yeah, 100%. You should wear whatever you want, no matter what anybody says. And, I, you know, I, I see this all the time, especially in the comments, in people who don't know who I am and my history. And they'll see that I do a review or something, and, and then they'll make assumptions, you know, think that either I've never actually worked in these boots. And, and a lot of times I'll try to drop a hint here or there without coming out and sound like, you know, a real pompous, you know, pain in the neck that I do wear these for work. And I'm not talking about just, you know, gardening around the house. So there are people who want to call me out and say something to the effect of, uh, you know, uh, clearly this guy's never done any real work. To those people, what I want to do is I want to come with like a Google Doc and I'll put my resume there. I'll put my my licenses, uh, you know, <laughs> my my class A CDL, my electrical license, my forklift operating license, you know, like everything. Whatever you need that to prove to you that I'm a real blue collar guy, then there you go. But that's not the issue though. You know, the issue isn't what you do because even if you do that, there are people who would say, "Well, you know what? Uh electric- electricians don't work as hard as uh, you know, iron workers. Uh well, iron workers don't work as hard as uh, loggers." Well, I mean, how far do you want to take this, you know? And so, when it comes to the the gatekeeping issue, I I always thought that, you know, it's not about who you are and what you do for a living. If you appreciate the style of something or you, you like the merits of it or you enjoy it as a hobby, then you should be able to, to do that. I mean, we you know, it's a free country. You should be able to do what you'd like to do. And I, I think part of it is blue collar workers are typically looked down upon. So, you know, even the trades and everything, they were sold to me as an inferior option to going to college and working, you know, in a knowledge job. So, you know, and then working in both now. I could see the benefits and, and the, the downsides to both, but I think the problem is, is that, perfect example, when I was working in a hospital one time, we were building out their oncology wing, and, you know, we were, we were doing a, a bang-up job of it. Downstairs, there was a Dunkin' Donuts. Something had happened where, you know, it was a public Dunkin' Donuts, and they, they said basically, look, no, none of the construction workers can use this Dunkin' Donuts. We don't really want to see you guys down there. Oh. You know? Yeah, so I said, oh, really? Okay, well. At a Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Now, I mean, if you walked in off the street, no matter what you look like, you could be served at this Dunkin' Donuts, but per policy of this particular hospital, none of the construction workers could come down. So I said, okay, no problem. I'll go down there, dress the way I dress, take my hard hat off, you know, high-vis stuff, (laughs) dust off my jeans. I'll go down, I'll get the order for the entire crew, and then bring it back up. And I did that for a long time, and then uh, I think we got caught. But What boots were you wearing? <laughs> That's how they found you out. Yeah. That's probably true. Um, I don't know, probably those those uh those Timberland pros. So blue collar people are typically pretty defensive over what they do. And that's where I think sometimes you see this pride because it's like, you know what? You don't know me. You don't know, you know, what we have to go through out there and have you 
ever had to eat your lunch, you know, while standing up, you know, because there's no place to sit down. And then if you have to use the bathroom in the middle of the winter, you have to use a portage on. There's a lot of things that you have to deal with. And like we're, we're doing it for you, everybody who won't let us come into the Dunkin Donuts. Like, right, we're, right. We're building your fucking house. We're building your hospital. Well, and that's just it. And, and listen, there are definitely people who are the reason that that stereotype exists. There's no doubt about it. That's why I think sometimes the, the you know they they feel like they've been shunned from society, you know, like they're they're of a lower class. So f- for them to see the thing that unifies them all, which is the way that they dress, um, the way we dress, and then you see somebody else take it and use it for their, it's like you're stealing something from them, you know. Maybe the one thing that they could be proud of, which is their ultra cool you know, worn in boots and everything like that. And now you're taking that and making that the style of the people who used to look down on us. I think it's similar to what happened with, you know, like the motorcycle thing back in the 2000s where all of a sudden, you know, Orange County Choppers comes out and everybody and their mother wants to be a, a you know, a biker. Whereas before that, people were, were looking down on them. I think that's where it comes from in a way is that they feel it's disingenuous and it's not, you didn't earn that, but the same time you know you're trying to who cares what those people think anyway no i mean there's something there it's like it's, it's like a level of cultural appropriation right 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 yeah essentially like which is in a lot of cases considered to be extremely uncool right right so so from my perspective as the person who's doing the cultural appropriation of, of these work boots and does not I, I don't work in a blue collar job you know so why why even do it i mean on the one hand, I'm, I'm a kind of a boot nerd. I'm, you know, the construction of these boots is just so much more interesting and so much more robust than so many other things. You know, they're being built to this incredible standard because of the work that these guys are doing and because of the conditions that they, those boots are going to face just while those guys are just doing their job. It's obviously wildly overbuilt for, you know, my lifestyle and my life, but because it is so overbuilt for that, I have the incredibly comfortable, incredibly long lasting, you know, this is, it's a great investment for someone like me because it's going to last for such a long time. And the only reason that anyone even makes boots like that, the only reason you can even go buy those boots is because of these guys. And, you know, I think you got to just give your hats off to these guys who are out there doing work that is so difficult that companies have to make special boots just for them and make them way better than the boots that you know companies think the rest of us need very true you know what's oddly enough though you won't typically find a lot of um nicks whites wescos out on the job even in these places like where you know i'm saying i'm working in new york where i think the construction rate is the highest it is in the country but you still won't find those guys wearing these $500 plus boots, not typically. I, and now I know that in some of the union catalogs, Wesco uh, boots are available. I've seen some guys wear Hoffman's out there and maybe a couple of pairs of, of whites, but it's very much relegated to the Pacific Northwest and the loggers, you know, who are the ones that these boots were originally made for. And then they started branching out and making more, uh, more styles and stuff. But you would think that all these guys would be decked out in these things. And that's sort of what I try to to tell people especially through these videos is look i was there i was the guy wearing the the timberland pros and you know before that the herman survivors and dumpster carhartt uh boots and then i got these and it really was very eye-opening 
I didn't realize the, you know, the level of comfort and, and support that you can actually get. And it's very hard to tell somebody. It's almost like, listen, you've never seen the sun until you opened your eyes. It's maybe not that dramatic, but when it comes to that type of work where you are earning a living on your feet most of the time, I mean, unless you're operating a machine or something, your boots are just as important as your tools. So why wouldn't you want to spend that money? No matter how many times I've given that speech, though, it doesn't seem like they're willing to come around. Nobody really wants to spend that money. You know, People will spend money on Red Wings or Wolverines or whatever, but they, they have a cap there. They typically won't go beyond that. It, it always kind of surprises me, you know, what people put value on in those kind of things. Like there's the car guys, right, who just, you know, spend all their money on their cars. There's the video game guys who are, you know, spending all this money on, you know, maybe microtransactions or stuff like that. Or, you know, or even, you know, there's the guys who spend money to make their characters in a game look really cool. And then in real life are like, well, I'm not going to spend money to make myself look cool. And it's like, yeah. hey, man, like you already you already have this this avatar, this character, this body that is, you know, you and you can dress it up and make it look really cool and interesting however you want i think if you were in a video game and you said look we've got these three pairs of boots and one costs five times as much as the other one but it's going to last much longer it's going to give you you know all these you know different boosts of different abilities and comfort longevity that stuff i think people would be like yeah i gotta grind i gotta go you know kill some goblins or something so i can afford these nick's boots like isn't that what you want on your character's feet you know? Right, right. Well, uh, you know what, though? I think you touched on something that is is even deeper. So it's it's not necessarily just about the boots you're wearing. And this is, you know, kind of something that I've, I've done a couple of videos on and, and talked about, which is the way that you dress really affects the rest of your life. So that is probably, you know, put into practice easiest when you're talking business casual, that kind of thing, because um, you have a lot more freedom to, to play with your wardrobe. But the same can be said in construction. So it's very difficult, but it is possible. And so, you know, when I was an apprentice, I remember, um, you know, trying to stand out from the crowd and I would, I bought a polo. I remember I bought three Carhartt polos. They were like peak polos, dead hot in summer. It was just not the right thing to wear in summer, but I still wore them. Um, and I, and I wanted to, I wanted to look like I, I took myself seriously because everybody else was kind of showing up in like ratty jeans, a Bud Light t-shirt and, you know, whatever else they, they rolled out of bed and found on the floor that morning. I didn't want to be that. If I was going to do this, I was going to do it right. So I remember <laughs> an early on in one of my jobs, I had this foreman who was really pretty, you know, full of himself. And uh, I think the, we were working in a house at the time. This is pre-2008 before the, the housing collapse. The homeowner came over and I, they thought that I was in charge of the crew because I was the one who was dress the nicest, you know, and everybody else was kind of like, you know, schlubbing around and they were asking me all these questions and I, I didn't really want to tell them that I wasn't the guy in charge. So I just went with it, you know, and uh, it's like you have some of your buttons buttoned on this shirt. Right? <laughs> yeah. You must be the boss. You know what? More appropriately, you have buttons on your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so I mean, and and that was kind of an eye opener there, and that that did snowball. But here's here's what I was trying to to get to earlier was when you make the decision to dress well, no matter where it is or what you're doing, it's not just the the exercise of dressing well and 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 putting forward you know the best foot and the confidence boost which comes with that. It's also you've chosen to take a step in bettering yourself and putting more stock 
in yourself and where you're going. And so I think that's the real benefit. You know, it's almost like the the aesthetic purpose is a byproduct of of this um this decision to really make a go of it, to actually try at your job or at your life. Now you've decided to really give it a go. Whereas a lot of people are just really going day to day, seeing if they can get through it to the next day until they eventually die. You know, <laughs> as bleak as that is. Damn, Carl. Didn't realize we were going there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great point, man. I mean, your, your clothes really do say a lot about you. And, you know, that's kind of the first thing that people will notice about you and kind of take a look at like, oh, what's his haircut? What's his sh-? I mean, the first thing I look at is shoes. Most people, I think, probably go clothes, haircut, that stuff first. You know, people people make kind of snap judgments, just like those homeowners. You know, they see you and they make an assumption about you based on your appearance. Like that's yeah, that's what just what people do when they meet someone they've never met before. Wouldn't you want that first impression to be them saying like, oh yeah, this guy, you know, okay, he's got buttons. This is great. He seems like a cool guy. You know, oh, hundred percent. You know, and and it's like there's a game being played around you all the time, whether you decide to participate in that game or not. You can't opt out no matter what. If you decide that you are going to just, you know, throw on sweatpants and a, and a hoodie and just, you know, go through the day, well, then you're still playing the game and you're going to be judged as such, you know? So it's it's not easy. It's definitely not easy all the time. If it was easy, then everybody would do it. But that's where you can, if it gives you 10% more or 10% a better shot at getting the job or, or you know, just feeling 10% better or whatever, it's worth it. Agreed. Back to the are we allowed to wear these things mm. question? Look, I've, I've had some blue-collar jobs in my day, and, like, my dad is blue-collar, and I used to work for him, and, you know, other stuff over the years, especially when I was younger. And I was going into that job, and I was cutting steel with a bandsaw for, like, 10 hours a day. That was my job. And then, like, moving shit around because I was, I don't know, I was, I was capable of it, I guess. And nobody else wanted to move the shit around. Like, it was hard work. And I was going in there... Every day, wearing a pair of Nike Dunks because I was like, "This is what I like." And if something falls on my toe, I guess I'm in trouble. And now here I am, not working blue collar jobs, and wearing very, very, very seriously built boots. You know, in the end, you're right. It's about it's about nerdiness. It's about caring so much about something that you get completely inside it, and you're like. How do I have the best? Like, I, I love just kind of overdoing it with things. When I was in high school, I had a four-point racing harness in my car that I never <laughs> raced. And I had to take out a rear seat yeah. to install it by myself. And I also punctured a hole in the gas tank while doing Ooh. that because I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, I kind of always have been that way. But in the end, like, they're comfortable. They're better. They last forever, which is something that we're going to get to. After this break, we'll be right back with more Carlcast. Okay, Ticho, we're back to talk about our Knicks boots again. Continued impressions, what we've been doing in them. You've been wearing your Comstock derbies a lot, I think. Update me. You know, it's been like kind of snowy. It's been slushy. It's been cold. I've kind of needed to wear them. Really enjoying this. It's like the Vibram 700 sole, which I think they call like a V-tread sole. It's a nice, like low profile, not that much thicker than than like a day night, but a much better grip. 
I've really, you know, had no problems climbing over a lot of kind of slick rocks and just like other semi-suburban, you know, type adventures that I've been going on in these things. And they've really just been up for whatever I've thrown at them. And I've been enjoying wearing them. I wore them today. I'm, you know, did like a lot of a lot of walking on my on my commute, you know, broken into be comfortable for, for walking around. Yeah, man, these things are these things are kind of beasts. Like they're real hefty. They're real well made. I just want to beat the ever living heck out of them and just really see what this wax flesh looks like when it just gets really beat up. That to me is like the ultimate goal for really anything with wax flesh or uh, a leather that's going to pick up patina that way is to just wear it really hard. Uh, am I intentionally standing in streams to beat these shoes up? Yes. Absolutely, I am. Of course I am. <laughs> is that wrong in some way? I don't no. think so. I think that's like the right no, thing to no, do. No. You know, I've I've got these rugged shoes. The wax flesh is up for it. The The shoe itself is up for it. Why not have some fun? What's your favorite thing about them? I think my favorite thing about them is, is probably the pattern. It's really nicely balanced. At first, I thought the facings might be like a little bit too far back. But once I kind of broke them in, you know, you kind of um, get a little bit of a a dip down right across the vamp. And now it's like really nicely proportioned. Then there's like a little bit of a, like a toe bump, which I think gives it kind of a cool vibe. I'm not like a, always a huge, like, you know, big bulbous toe bump guy, but that's not what this is. It's just kind of like, you know, the, the essence of a toe bump there that just gives a nice effect. I'm feeling these things still like a tiny little bit of heel slip from them. I just need to keep wearing them and get, get that insole broken in and that heel slip's going to uh, dissipate. I'm pretty confident. Excellent update on the Comstocks. Next week, we'll be talking about my Robert boots and how I'm feeling about them, which have also been getting a ton of wear. But that's it. Thanks to Nick's. Back to the Carlcast. And we're back. The one and only Carl Murawski. All right, Carl, I've seen you do this on YouTube. What's it like cutting multiple $600 pairs of perfectly good boots in half? What's that like? Never done it somehow. Yeah, you know what? I mean, there's the like there's the thrill of um of <laughs> destroying something, but more so I I really felt like it was wasteful. It's not something I really plan on doing much in the future. I f just kept on feeling like these boots de deserve better, you know? And it's like it's so funny cuz you kind of anthropomorphize something and it's just, you know, it's 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 ridiculous, but at the same time I'm like, you know, somebody made these things and they made them with care and for the purposes of, of being used. Now, that particular video was to to explore the differences between these two boots, which on the surface seems so similar. Yeah, I don't think it's something I want to do too much in the in the future. It, it like kind of hurt my soul a little bit. Those were live boots. Those were not dead boots at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, they had, they had a lot more life. Well, they had a lot more life in them. I feel like you were very, very good at cutting those boots apart with a utility knife like how did you like how did you determine that approach <laughs> you know you see in the beginning it's like that's half a boot how's he gonna do this and you're just gonna take like a, a, like a the old bandsaw that i used to operate yeah, to yeah. them but you were like oh here we go and i know exactly where to cut these things i'm a boot surgeon no you know just doing this really kind of casually and you weren't like and now we cut open the boots. You were like, yep. And so we just take a look. And here we go. <laughs> no, I mean, I try to, in a way, be respectful of them, too. You know, again, this is somebody's handiwork. But, um, you know, yeah, you that's, that's that's the idea. Plus, I don't have any cobbler's tools. 
You know, like and I like I edited it down a, a lot in that video, but I mean, like you just prying the heel off of that damn thing. I'm like, what do I have? Oh my god, yeah. Heel's tough. There's a specific tool for that. Right, exactly. Yeah, they have that kind of uh, I don't know what it's called. It's a grabber. Heel grabber. Yeah, so I, I had a I had a small uh pry bar. <laughs> you know, I like jammed it in there and just try to like get it from edge to edge and I mean, those things are on there, man. I mean, that's it gives me a lot more confidence when I'm like kicking the edge of a shovel or something. But um so you're done cutting boots in half. Unless they deserve it. Unless they deserve it, man. You know, like like I had that pair of indestructible boots and I was more than happy to like hit those with an axe and blow them with a torch and like oh wait i haven't seen that one no oh yeah no i set them on fire <laughs> you destructed them i did yeah because they said that they were flame resistant and i'm like oh that's no way i would do that again because i was kind of mad at those boots you know like because <laughs> yeah, i'm looking at them like you know i could see one of my coworkers buying these thinking oh they're indestructible boots well then they must be safe they say they're flame resistant. They say, you know, this and that. And, I, and I, so I really dug into them and got into some of the safety regulations. You know, if somebody had bought those and wore them on the on the job site, they wouldn't be any safer. Not at all. So uh, I, I kind of took it personally. That's the exact public service that we all need. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, that's fair, man. Good, yeah, good, good for you. Yesterday, I found the boot in the fire pit because I just put it out there because it was still smoldering. <laughs> I just had to throw it away. <laughs> So on the topic of indestructibility, I think that this is a huge question that you know hangs over all of us, certainly the three of us. And I know you have thoughts on, and I, I think it's high time that we, we cracked it all open on the shoe cast here. All of us love and recommend and promote things that theoretically last forever and become better with heavy wear. And then we go and accumulate a ton of them sometimes not all the time but sometimes negating their original purpose of this is the last boot that you need how how do we square that how do you think about that i know that's a tough one that's that's when i've struggled with so much going through the collection too you know i'm looking at him like yeah but this one's green you know like i can't get rid of those you know and then oh yeah but i wore these on that trip you know and then it's like you, you tie all these emotions to them and stuff I mean, I've already come to the conclusion that I have got to get rid of like like ninety percent of these things. Just, I just, I just, it, I, they should, they should live a full life with somebody who's going to appreciate them, you know. And it's, I'm not sure we're the same size. Yeah, but I don't, I, I don't know. Are you a seven triple F or uh... <laughs> maybe <laughs> it might work? Just wear them sideways; you'll be fine. I don't know, show Like, how do you think about this? So I did originally you know kind of buy into and and kind of see the oh well it's more cost effective to to buy these resolable boots and i'm you know gonna wear them for years and years and years and years and then i'm gonna put a new sole on them and they're gonna these are gonna be the only boots that i ever you know i ever buy and you know 40 pairs later they're they're all still here and they all still have most of them still have their original souls, and and I love same thing. I love all of them. They're not going anywhere, you know. You know, you just kind of look at them, and you're like, yeah, this is there. There has been a disconnect here from you know, kind of the original rugged purpose of, of some of these boots. You know, I kind of just acknowledge, look, I am a collector. This is my collection. This is what I enjoy doing. I love wearing these things because they, you know, they just feel so good under my feet. They, you know, they're just they're so nice, you know what I mean? 
it's not about how long they're going to last. It's how much I enjoy wearing them every day mm. to me. That's a that's a great way to look at it, man. You know, it, it it's it's a hobby, just like collecting uh, watches or whatever. And and you know, it would almost be like having several four by fours. You know, you're not going to be able to run them all through the woods at the same time. You know, you have all these these things that have the potential to do different things or or hard work or whatever, but you appreciate them for for different aspects of them. And that's that's probably a really good way to look at it. I think I, I would look at it as you know, I've, I got the four wheeler. I've got like a, you know, maybe a moto, moto bike. I've got a snowmobile. I've got, I've got a bunch of different things that are going to do kind of slightly different versions of, of, you know, of my hobby, right? They're all kind of doing the same thing, but they're all a little different. And because they're a little different, I like them all. So yeah, that's just kind of the way it is for me. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it either. I mean, it's not like you're, you're denying somebody else from having them. It's just that these things get better the more you wear them, and it's hard to wear them enough to make them really realize that full potential when you have such a big rotation. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. I, I'll tell you that is that is something that I struggle with. You know, I just like uh, you know these flame panda boots that I I'm wearing today. You know, I got them in a couple weeks ago, and you know it's uh, you know they're requiring a little bit of a break in, right? It's very very thick leather. You know, he's using you know really top notch stuff. And he, you know, he even told me that he'd used a section of the hide that was very close to, uh, I guess, the spine area where, you oh. know, the leather's extra, extra dense. Yeah, the bends. So it's like, these things are so solid, but they're just, they take a little while to break in. Because of that, I've kind of made it, you know, I'm like putting some of my other boots aside because mm. I'm like, look, I got to wear these things. I got to break them in, you know? Yeah, you do a little bit have like an emotion of like, oh, like, I'm so sorry, other boots. You know, <laughs> I just, I gotta, they, they need to break in and I feel like I have to explain it to them. And I'm like, why, like, why am I, why am I feeling guilty to, to, to this gr- group of just inanimate objects in my basement? Because you love them. Because I love them all. Yeah, exactly. That's true. I do love them all. I wish I, you know, I wish I had 30, 30 pairs of feet that I could, could wear these things on every day, but I, I don't. So um, not yet. Anyway, I'm working on that. Um, patent pending patent pending the idea that this ability to you know wear them into the ground and then build them back up and and this is the last pair of boots like it is a draw in the beginning and whether or not it's like you know a marketing thing that they all figured out a long time ago or actually if it just used to be true before people kind of saw this as a hobby and then you know they keep the same pitch because it's still true I, I look back at some of my earlier pairs some of which I've I've moved on to the right homes, like even in the last couple months, because I've been like, I'm not wearing like this. I kept one pair of Iron Rangers and my first pair of 8111s. I'm like, somebody should be wearing these. I never wear them anymore. But in the beginning, my God, I wore those things constantly. I wore them three, four days a week, walking six, seven miles around New York City every day, like going on hikes, finding some wood to chop. And like there is a bit of nostalgia with a lot of these newer pairs as the collection begins to balloon that you're like, man, that was cool. Like I I thought that was it. And then like, you kind of know you have the bug and then you start getting a little deeper and then you, you know, start a website and a podcast all about (laughs) boots. And you're like, (laughs) okay, I'm actually, I'm, I'm very glad this happened, but you know, things are different now. You know, there's that question like, are we creating waste because of this? 
I'd like to think that the answer is no, especially because like I'm not throwing any of these things in the garbage, which is where most shoes end up. And when I'm done with them, somebody else is going to get them and they're going to love them. And they're probably going to either keep them or pass them on to the next person. And like, I have pairs that like, look, I, I have a new son over here. I hope that he's the exact same mm. size as me. Seven quintuple F. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, okay. So let's kind of strike that part out, I guess. You know, as you get deeper into the hobby and the collecting, you begin to realize that in the U.S. especially, a country that used to have hundreds and hundreds of shoe factories now has about 10. Yeah. You know, maybe 15 as you start to kind of tick down to some that, you know, probably should be paying more attention to or super small scale. Keeping that alive becomes part of this passion because not just because I want them, but because other people deserve them too. And so, like, are these kind of justifications for having way too many shoes that all theoretically last forever? Yes, but I like to believe that they're pretty solid ones. And, and yeah, like, it is, like, every, like, I'm always thinking about what's on my feet, how they fit, and do they fit right, and, like, is the breaking going in, like, oh, I just... I kick something and like my nice shoes, God damn it. Like I'm going to kick something on purpose and my flame pandas, which are, I'm trying to beat up on purpose because I think that they're, they deserve to be treated like that because they can take it. But you know, as long as the shoes fit, every step is like, it's so satisfying. And I think that that's, you know, one of the deepest things that kind of exists in, in this passion that like presumably anybody listening to this podcast shares. You know, when it comes down to that, like, what's going to make me happy? Could it be the five pairs that we chose on that episode? Like, probably, but that's, you know, not the path that I'm currently on. And like, I'm all right with that. You know, it's like, it's, it's still really, really fun and confounding to anybody who doesn't have this passion, but incredibly fulfilling. And like, maybe it shouldn't be. It's just things like, why are we all worried about things? But like, these, these are things that I legitimately like and they make me happy or sometimes they make you frustrated, but that's only because you care. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm still going to have a bunch of shoes. You know, you touched on something though, that I, I, I think maybe is at the heart of this too, is these are things that are very complex to make well. And in a way, it's almost like you're collecting art. You know, you get something from Brian the Bootmaker or Pang or, you know, uh, Creosote or something like that. These these small one-man shops. And these people are, are extremely talented at making something that's very complex. So buying their work and enjoying it for what it is, it's hard to envision anything else that's really like that. I mean, I, I can't think of any one-person watchmakers out there. I'm, maybe they do exist, but that level of enjoying something that somebody else made is is pretty rare yeah i mean and that's the ultimate right you know steps down from there like well this is alden a bunch of like good solid american craftspeople who've been at this for decades each made this but yeah i mean like wearing these underhoods it's like yeah risky made these boots and like like a lot of people who don't care about boots are like whoa what are those and i'm like all right you're in for a story here and there's this guy <laughs> and he's in indonesia and like you know i probably you know if i wrote a business story about him it would be called risky business and like 
I'm still mad that the stitched down profile of him was not titled Risky Business, which I did pitch to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is this is the Wall Street Journal story. It's going to be, believe me, it's going to sell some papes. <laughs> that that's the ultimate. There's there's plenty of ways to be happy with with everything else. It's not like you can only be happy with underhoods or flame pandas or creosotes or whatever. Right, right. Of course. Well, it's it's almost like you maybe you know you we are working up to that. You know, like that. You know, hey, I always wanted a Ferrari, but you know, I'll settle for uh, a Porsche Cayenne or something. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I would love to get there someday. That'd be great. And this is the closest I can get. It's a good car. All right, so we're all okay with it. Yeah, I think I think I'm at peace with it now. Good. I'm glad we talked that out. <laughs> all right carl last one here mentioned it earlier Ticho and i did an episode where we had to get rid of all of our shoes and pick five that we would keep forever mm. and that was it and they last forever and you don't have to worry about anything but you don't get anything else forever and it was really fucking tough but i think we did a great job we're gonna ask you to pick three and they should be shoes or boots that you currently own and everything else goes. What do you got? Um, I would have to break it down to categories. So I would want to have something that I could work in. My original Builder Pros are still kind of my babies. Not too long ago, I got the white smoke jumpers, which look to be incredible as well. But I've put so many hours in on those Builder Pros that I, I couldn't imagine living without them, so that would be one of them. That was organic, by the way, completely organic. <laughs> yeah, I, I listen. You know what? I it's it's kind of an open secret that I have a I have a preference for Knicks. They were the ones who opened my 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 eyes to how good work boots can be, and I have four pairs of them now. So it's just you know look you know this is the right episode for the right the right advertiser. That's all. But I you know I truthfully have worn those for so long that I they're my go to. Um. Then I uh, would definitely include my uh, MYG nail shanks because they're those are the boots that everybody asks about whenever I wear them or you know take a picture of them or something like that. It, most people haven't seen anything quite like them. You know they're they're very first of all rare because it's one guy making them, so there's not a ton of them in the market. But also the fact that I mean I like the way they almost look like. If every other boot was, you know, a uh, an action movie or, a, you know, a rom-com or something like that, like, these would be a thriller or, like, a horror movie. Mm-hmm. You know, they look like they they might kick the asses of all my other boots if I, like, left them in the closet together or something. You know, they're, they're like, aggressive looking. And, and he does that better than anybody else, I think. He has this really cool way of bringing that sort of macabre into, into it. And then finally, I think probably my Lofgren engineers. You know, they were the standard and strange collaboration with that um, that cherry shinky horse hide, and you know, same kind of thing. Like they're just they're they're rare, they're beautiful, they're almost like a dress boot. You know, like you could you could probably wear those with like business casual if you really wanted to, and and, and get away with it. But yeah, I think those would probably be the three. So you're wearing those to weddings, or you're wearing the builder pros to weddings? <laughs> it all depends on the groom <laughs> man i gotta say man if, if you only had uh you know if you get stuck with just three those are those are three killer pairs man i appreciate it man those are some great choices i've really i've been eyeballing the creosote stuff for for a long time and it yeah. just which used to be myg it, it just it, yeah you're right he just there's some kind of like almost I guess it's a vibe. I don't know, but it does it does have like a really interesting and almost 
haunted or or some kind of feel to it. I I think they're really cool, man. Uh, I'm digging them. Yeah, he's done a great job too with like the rebranding um, and using that Raven. You know, the whole thing sort of like they're very Poe, very Poe. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's a great way to put it, man. And you know, like, um, so the guy who actually makes these is uh is a re- he's a really good dude. Like I've spoken to him at length many times. Not only when I was ordering my first pair, but you know, he's he's a good guy. He speaks my language. He's he's like a blue collar kind of. Look, I'm just gonna get this done. He's kind of rough around the edges, and he he believes what he believes and thinks what he thinks, and doesn't really care if you don't like it, you know. And I I, I appreciate that about him. So, um, and again, just trying to. How many how many of these guys are out there who are who are really good at what they do in making these things one pair at a time? You know, when originally got the the nail shanks, they were like nine hundred and twenty five dollars or something. And, and I broke it down because he told me, he goes, yeah, you know, these things take me like 40 to 50 hours to make. And so I broke it down. I'm like, this guy's like making like 19 bucks an hour. You know, I said that in the video. I'm like, look, if anybody's watching this, pick these things up now, because if this becomes popular, there's no way he can maintain that current pricing. To his credit, you know, he, he he became more popular. He increased the prices, which I think was well justified. Still probably a bargain for what you're getting. And, you know, now he's got his thing going on. So anybody who was smart enough to take that advice and, and get them early on got a real smoking pair on some some really cool-looking boots. Gabbard. Yeah, that's a, that's always the place to be, man. You got to you gotta find these guys early before they blow up when they're, they're just kind of starting out. And then yeah. just... Yeah. Watch everybody line up behind you and and pay pay even more money for them. So, good good on you for that. Yeah, I mean like I wish I could say that I just like stumbled across him when he was like, you know, out in the, you know, Missouri wilderness or something, but no, you know, I saw him because of that that boot hunter collab that he had done and it was like, you know, it was with the nail shanks and I was like, these things are like nothing I've ever seen. They were just so eye-opening and different, you know. And so, actually, I have a, I ordered another pair, which should hopefully be in in the next uh, couple weeks here. But uh, oh, nice! Yeah, man. And there, there's something pretty different too. Like I, I think this may be the first time he's used this particular leather, so they're kind of a uh, kind of special in that regard too. Yeah, yeah. That's a teaser for you. That's that's why you're the number one YouTuber, man. That's you know. <laughs> I won YouTube. You <laughs> <laughs> did. You really did. Carl, look, you are a wonder. Congratulations once more for being the most popular person on YouTube of all time, including Baby Shark. Thank you for coming on, Carl. Seriously, this was, I love this. This was great. Oh, it's been a blast. Thank you very much for having me. A lot of fun. All right, look, that's it for this week. Everybody check out Carl's YouTube channel, which if you don't know, he has. We, we didn't even really mention this at the top. It's legitimately very very good it's about more than just boots uh i tend to watch the boot episodes and the ones that have nothing to do with anything at all involving clothing or whatever carl philosophy it's kind of my favorite stuff everybody go check it out follow carl on instagram at carl Moraski. big thanks again to nick's boots for sponsoring the episode definitely spend some time on nicksboots.com follow them on instagram at nick's handmade boots also, check out Stitch Down Premium, where you get 10% off Grantstone, Cigara, Parkhurst, and access to giveaways, exclusive collabs like these Underhoods I'm maybe never taking off, and the best shoe Discord chat on the internet, according to that guy who said that. Uh, find plenty more info on stitchdown.com. Take care of your shoes. We'll see you next time.